good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in this beautiful big wide world. I'm uh, on the beach, you might hear the waves in the background. It's uh, 5.30 a.m. I'm going along my soft sand beach walk to start the day. It's 14 degrees C. Sun's up. Surfers are out. Blue bottles are shining on the beach. It's a gorgeous day. Oof, so many blue bottles. Damn. That's the end of swimming for the day for me. There's still people out there doing it. So maybe the other end of the beach is better than this end. I look forward to exploring that. But right here, there's thousands. So this month, December, we're talking about Stronger Week. So far, we've talked a lot about things such as not necessarily listening to people who tell you what you want to hear. It's a, it's a sad target for self-awareness. When you hear something such as those ridiculous TikTok presentations by the corporate speaker that say when did you fall in love you fell in love because someone made you a cup of tea in the morning it sounds so great telling people what they want to hear he also did a podcast uh, TikTok Instagram I don't watch TikTok but I do Instagram he also does one where he says when you're holding a mobile phone in your hand, it makes other people think they are not the focus of your attention. Well, if that's all it takes to give people the impression that you're focusing your attention on them, and if that's all it takes to make a person think they're not important, well, we're playing at a very low end of the piano, aren't we? You don't get attention when a person gives you attention. You draw attention from them. And whether they've got a mobile phone in their bloody hand or a steering wheel or a condom, you draw attention. You don't get attention. Think about the model he's running when he says, how does it make you feel when I've got a mobile phone in my hand? Do you feel like you're the most important person in the room? Well, stupid. I am the most important in the room. And if you've got a mobile phone in your hand or a laptop computer or a baby or an ice cream or a meal, it's my job, it's my job draw your attention to focus on me, not wait for you to give me attention. Give me your attention. What a peasant, what a bloodsucker thought. Please give me your attention. 
Oh, please. Oh, make me feel like the most important person in the room. <laughs> You've got a mobile phone in your hand. I don't feel important. <laughs> Seriously? <clears throat> That's how we're going to live? Begging? Reacting? Which brings me to the topic of today. So, every reaction you have in life costs you something. Every reaction you have in your life costs you something. And so therefore, whenever you react or before you react, just might be willing, might be important to say what price you're willing to pay to have this experience. The real estate market goes up or down and you react by wanting to sell or remortgage or refinance your property or buy another one. It's extremely reactive and it's going to cost you something. If you haven't worked out what that cost is and you can't work out what the cost is, better not react. In a relationship, your partner does something good or bad, it's going to cost you if you react to it. If you smile, no reaction. If you simply stay grateful in a good place, balanced, centered, calm, it costs you nothing. If you're a leader in a business and something happens in the business and you react, it's going to cost you something. Now, you might say, I have to react. And I say you don't. I say a leader who reacts, if they react emotionally, <laughs> oh me, oh my God, I've got such a big headache and so many problems. That reaction is going to cost. It's going to cost reputation. It's going to cost financial, it's going to cost. So reacting at home is going to cost you love, it's going to cost you respect, it's going to cost you all the things that you've invested so much to earn. Reacting in financial, it's going to cost you dollars. Just go around each area of life And ask yourself, what would it cost if I react mentally, intellectually, to something? It's going to cost you empowerment. It's going to cost you strength. It's going to cost you the, the outcome of a disappointing decision. Spiritual reaction, it's going to infect everything with the poison 
and ultimately shorten your lifespan. It's going to cost you life. Anybody who gets to 55, 50, 60 and starts to see their body deteriorating and if, if you go and meet somebody who's 55, 60 who started to get Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or dementia or started to get anything that's going to shorten the quality of their life ask them if they would like to go back and not react when I was in Canada working in Canada with the First Nation people, Indigenous. Many times I was asked to go and give solace to a family for the inevitable passing of a loved one. It's not easy, but I'm going to share a story, a true story, a vivid story. And I hope this will anchor the concept of non-reaction. When I entered the room, there were no less than 30 people sitting around in, a, in chairs and circle. At the center of the circle, the center, one end of the circle, the circle doesn't have an end, but at the fireplace end, was Medata in a wheelchair with breathing apparatus keeping the poor old bugger alive Medata, Grandpa in the room were his wife his brothers and sisters, older people as well but healthy older people his children and their partners some of his sons, I think there were nine of them, were outside, didn't want to come in because they don't want to be a part of Chris Walker. Understandable. Very much steeped in their tradition. Also in the room sitting on the floor were nine or ten little kids. Somewhere around five to ten. I can only guess. My job was to talk to him in front of them because this guy couldn't stop crying. He knew he was leaving this planet soon, but he was leaving this planet tortured. At some stage, three of their children had committed suicide very publicly. One of those, a boy, his son, a 20-year-old, had had a fist fight with his dad, this man, gone out, found a tree, got a rope, it's very traditional, climbed the tree and jumped with the rope around his neck, finished his life, and everybody recognized that this event took place after a significant incident with his father. That was the only context in which the son's death was viewed. It wasn't viewed in the, the light of the cause of the fight in the first place. 
it wasn't viewed in the light of the fact that the boy has a right if he chooses not to fight not in the context of the the boy having done something that deserved confrontation and if you looked into the situation you would find that this boy who took his life had done some shit what he was beating himself up about badly had nothing to do really with the fight with his dad anyway I'm sitting in front of this family and they're all sharing stories of how much they love this guy trying to give him solace they'd been to the church it hadn't worked their family was Catholic and they'd really asked the priest and the priest had just said well you're going to be punished and live in hell for the rest of your life or whatever it is for being such a fucker and God forgives you for being such a fucker and he'll if you do penance of a thousand candles or Hail Marys God will forgive you for being such a fucker the premise of this whole thing was he was such a fucker and I don't agree so I went into this room to give this guy solace which means let him know that he's worthy of love stop him what's the word today stop him from reacting it's not an easy job when a man doesn't speak much English or good English just wait for the Bondi rescue truck to go past and put their signs out for the day saying there's blue bottles everywhere I sat in this room and the, the women all who are the strength uh, in these indigenous communities, First Nation communities in Canada, spoke their truth about their love for their dad, their love for their grandpa. The boys spoke about how they loved him and what a great guy he was, but he sat there unflinched, unmoved. He sat there committed to die with guilt. That man was dying because of a reaction. <clears throat> because of a reaction and a reaction to a story that wasn't true. And what they were trying to do was give him the love he deserved. But nobody could do that. He had to see this story different. And so slowly I recounted the steps that led up to the fight and slowly but surely he saw that for the last whatever years of his life 30 probably he'd carried a story that wasn't true that he'd reacted to 
and had driven him to his own grave. Stories. The way we see things, our perspective, the viewpoint we have. And there is no viewpoint on earth like the universal laws because they're not a human viewpoint. They're a viewpoint. They are the viewpoint. So I'm going to jump you forward now to another event in the same room with the same group of people a year later. Medata did pass. Medata did pass with love in his heart. We finished the story, just him and I. Without the family all there, watching the specta as spectators. But they saw that a lot of what they'd been hanging on to and reacting to him was causing him to react to them, was causing them to react to him. So I needed to just go private with him, finish it off. We finish the story by going forward 12 months where I'm in the same room with the same group of people. And I was brought in there because the kids were saying they could still see Madada, even though he was out of his body. And the parents were really worried about it. And they wanted me to teach the kids to let go of Madada. And they asked me, please, Chris. So I listened to the kids' stories and the stories were these. I was on the swing the other day where my daddy used to push me and I felt my daddy pushing me. And the other one said, oh, I was at the breakfast table and I was eating my breakfast and I felt my daddy next to me sharing my breakfast table. And these stories were just about abundant. And the parents were like, no, 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 my daddy's dead, my daddy's, you gotta let go, you gotta let go, you're still grieving, you're still grieving. And I go, I'm not sure that's true. In traditional First Nation belief systems, when a person passes, they leave behind a spirit. And you can always engage with that spirit. It never dies. That's the definition of it. And so the question you get with from this question is, how come these people were trying to teach kids who were, by their DNA, able to feel the energy of a, passing, of a person who's passed and try to teach them a religious philosophy of once you bury it, it goes to heaven, it's all gone. Our stories, our perspective, our viewpoint causes our reactions. And we have to be really careful. Really, really careful. In the end, I challenged the parents, not the kids. I said, isn't this what your culture teaches? Isn't this what First Nation people believe? That the spirit never dies? Why would you try to remove this belief system from your kids? Again, reaction creating a huge cost.
every reaction costs. And what does it look like in your life if you don't react? That's what you need to ask yourself today because you just don't want to pay the cost of reaction. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Bye for now.